Sophie's World by Josephine Gardner. Aristotle continued. Ethics. Let us go back to man, Sophie. According to Aristotle, man's form comprises a soul, which has a plant-like part, an animal part, and a rational part. And now he asks, how should we live? What does it require to live a good life? His answer. Man can only achieve happiness by using all his abilities and capabilities. Aristotle held that there are three forms of happiness. The first form of happiness is a life of pleasure and enjoyment. The second form of happiness is a life as free and a responsible citizen. The third form of happiness is a life of a thinker and a philosopher. Aristotle then emphasized that all three criteria must be present at the same time for man to find happiness and fulfillment. He rejected all forms of imbalance. Had he lived today, he might have said that a person who only develops his body lives a life that is just as unbalanced as someone who only uses his head. Both extremes are an expression of a warped way of life. The same applies in human relationships, where Aristotle advocated the golden mean. Neither nor rash, but courageous. Too little courage is cowardice. Too much is rashness. Neither miserly nor extravagant, but liberal. Not liberal enough is miserly. Too liberal is extravagant. The same goes for eating. It is dangerous to eat too little. And also dangerous to eat too much. The ethics of both Plato and Aristotle contain echoes of Greek medicine. Only by exercising balance and temperance will I achieve a happy or harmonious life. Politics: the undesirability of cultivating extremes is also ex expressed in Aristotle's view of society. He says that man is by nature a political animal. With it, without a society around us, we are not real people. He claimed. He pointed out that the family and the village satisfied primary needs of food, warmth, marriage, and child rearing, but the highest form of human fellowship is only to be found in the state. This leads to the question of how the state should be organized. You remember Plato's philosophical state. Aristotle describes three good forms of constitution. One is monarchy or kingship, which means there is only one head of state. For this type of constitution to be good, it must not degenerate into tyranny. That is, when one ruler governs a state to his own advantage. Another good form of constitution is aristocracy, in which there is a larger or smaller group of rulers. This constitutional form must be aware of degenerating into oligarchy, when the government is run by a few people. An example of that would be junta. The third good constitutional form is what Aristotle called. Polity, which means democracy, but this form 
also has its negative aspect. Democracy can quickly develop into a mob rule. Even if the tyrant Hitler had not become the head of state in Germany, all the lesser Nazis could have formed into a terrifying mob rule. Views on Woman Finally, let us look at Aristotle's views on woman. His were unfortunately not as uplifting as Plato's. Aristotle was more inclined to believe that women were incomplete in some way. A woman was an unfinished man. In reproduction, woman is passive and receptive, whilst man is active and productive. For the child inherits only the male characteristics, claimed Aristotle. He believed that all the child's characteristics lay complete in the male sperm. The woman was the soil receiving and bringing forth the seed, whilst the man was the sour. Or, or in Aristotelian language, the man provides the form and the woman con contributes the substance it is, of course, both astonishing and highly regrettable that an otherwise so intelligent man could be so wrong about the relationship of sexes. But it demonstrates two things. First, that Aristotle could not have had so much practical experience regarding lives of women and children. And second, it shows how wrong things can go when men are allowed to reign supreme in the fields of philosophy and science. Aristotle's erroneous view of the sexes was doubly harmful because it was his, rather than Plato's, view that held sway throughout the Middle Ages. The church thus inherited a view of woman that is entirely without foundation in the Bible. Jesus was certainly no woman-hater. I'll say no more, but you will be hearing from me again. When Sophie had read the chapter on Aristotle one and a half times, she returned it to the brown envelope and returned, remained sitting, staring into space. She suddenly became aware of the mess surrounding her. Books and ring binders lay scattered on the floor. Socks and sweaters, tights and jeans hung half out of the closet. On the chair in front of the writing desk was a huge pile of dirty laundry. Sophie had an irresistible desire to clear up. The first thing she did was to pull all the clothes out of the closet and onto the floor. It was necessary to start all over. Then she began folding her things very neatly and stacking them all tidily on the shelves. The closet had seven shelves. One was for underwear, one for socks and tights, and one for jeans. She gradually filled up each shelf. She never had any question about where to put anything. Dirty laundry went into a plastic bag she had found on a bottom shelf. One thing she did have trouble with, a knee-length white stocking. The problem was that the other one of the pair was missing. What's more, it had never been Sophie's. She examined it carefully. There was nothing to identify the owner, but Sophie had a strong suspicion about who the owner was. She threw it up onto the top shelf to join the Legos, the video cassette, and the red silk scarf. Sophie turned her attention to the floor. She sorted books, 
ring binders, magazines, and posters, exactly as the philosophy teacher had described in the chapter on Aristotle. When she had done that, she made her bed and got started on her writing desk. The last thing she did was to gather all the pages on Aristotle into a neat pile. She fished, she fished out an empty ring binder and a hole punch, made holes in the pages, and clipped them into the ring binder. This also went onto the top shelf. Later on in the day, she would have to bring in the cookie tin from the den. From now on, she would keep things neat. And she didn't only mean in her room. After reading Aristotle, she discovered, she realized and discovered that it was just as important to keep her ideas orderly. She had reserved the top shelf of the closet especially for that kind of thing. It was the only place in the room that she did not yet have complete control over. There had been no sign of life from her mother for over two hours. Sophie went downstairs. Before she woke her mother up, she decided to feed her pets. She bent over the goldfish bowl in the kitchen. One of the fishes was black, one orange, and one red and white. This is why she had called them Blackjack, Goldtop, and Red Riding Hood. As she sprinkled fish food into the water, she said, You belong to nature's living creatures, and you can absorb nourishment. You can grow and reproduce yourselves. More specifically, you belong to the animal kingdom. So you can move around and look out at the world. To be precise, you are fish, and you breathe through your gills and can swim back and forth in the waters of life. Sophie put the lid back on the fish food jar. She was quite satisfied with the way she had placed the goldfish in nature's scale, and she was especially pleased with the expression of the waters of life. So now it was the budgerdier's turn. Sophie poured a little bird seed into their feeding cup and said, Dear Smith and Smule, you have become dear little buttergars because you grew out of the dear little buttergar eggs, and because these eggs had the form of being buttergars, luckily you didn't grow into squawking parrots. Sophie then went into the large bathroom, where the sluggish tortoise lay in a big box. Every now and then, when her mother showered, she would yell that she would kill it one day. But so far, it had been an empty threat. Sophie took a lettuce leaf from the large jar, jam jar and laid it in the box. Dear Govinda, she said, you are not one of the speediest animals, but you certainly are able to sense a tiny fraction of the great big world we live in. You'll have to content yourself with the fact that you are not the only one who can't exceed your own limits. Sure, Can was probably out catching mice. That was a cat's nature, after all. Sophie crossed the living room toward her mother's bedroom. A vase of daffodils stood on the coffee table. It was as if the yellow blooms bowed respectfully as Sophie went by. She stopped for a moment and let her fingers gently brush their smooth heads. You belong to a living part of nature, too, she said. Actually, you were quite privileged to compare to a vase you're in. But unfortunately, you were not able to appreciate it. Then Sophie tiptoed to her mother's bedroom. Although her mother was in a deep sleep, Sophie laid a hand on her forehead. 
You are one of the luckiest ones, she said, because you are not only alive like the lilies of the field, and you are not only a living creature like Shurikan or Govinda. You are a human and therefore had the rare capacity of thought. What on earth are you talking about, Sophie? Her mother had woken up more quickly than usual. I was just saying that you look like a lazy tortoise. I can otherwise inform you that I have tidied up my room with philosophic thoroughness. Her mother lifted her head. I'll be right there, she said. Will you put the coffee on? Sophie did as she asked, and soon they were sitting in the kitchen over coffee, juice, and chocolate. Suddenly Sophie asked, Have you ever wondered why we are alive, Mom? Oh, not again. Yes, because now I know the answer. People live on this planet so that someone can go around giving names to everything. Is that right? I never thought of that. And you have a big problem because a human is a thinking animal. If you don't think, you're really not a human. Sophie, imagine if there were only vegetables and animals. There wouldn't have been anybody to tell the difference between cat or and dog or lily and gooseberry. Vegetables and animals are living too, but we are the only creatures that can categorize nature into different groups and classes. You really are the most peculiar girl I have ever had, said her mother. I should hope so, said Sophie. Everybody is more or less peculiar. I'm a person, so I am more or less peculiar. You have only one girl, so I'm the most peculiar. What I meant was that you scare the living daylights out of me with all that new talk. You were easily scared then. Later that afternoon, Sophie went back to the den. She managed to smuggle the big cookie tin up to her room without her mother noticing. First, she put all the pages in the right order. Then she punched holes in them and put them in the ring binder before the chapter on Aristotle. Finally, she numbered each page in the top right hand corner. They were all, there were in all, over 50 pages. Sophie was in the process of complying her own book on philosophy. It was not by her, but written especially for her. She had no time to do her homework for Monday. They were probably going to have a test in religious knowledge, but the teacher always said he valued personal commitment and value judgments. Sophie felt like she was beginning to have a certain basis for both. Music